Good morning. It is awesome, awesome to be here this morning and see your smiling faces. Most of you. <laughs> now we're smiling. I think everybody's looked at the light fixtures. <laughs> um, have you ever um, anxiously waited on something? Have you ever been told how wonderful something's going to be? And then you wait. Then you wait. And sometimes it seems like a long wait. Then... When the time comes and you receive or you see whatever you've been promised, usually you have some excitement. Would you agree? And sometimes those things we wait on are about what we expected. Sometimes it may not be quite what we expected. You ever had that happen? Think, oh man, just wait. Uh, just wait. And then when it comes, you're like, oh. And then sometimes, again, it's about what we expect. Sometimes it's far greater than we could ever expect. Sometimes when we wait and we're patient, when that gift comes or something that we are supposed to see comes, it's more beautiful and greater than we could have ever imagined. Have you ever had that happen? That's what I want you to think about this morning as, as we go through this lesson. Something that you waited on. And you thought, man, it's going to be good. I've been told it's going to be great. And then when you finally receive it, it's more than you could have asked for. All right? I'm going to start out by reading um, some scripture. I'm going to read from Acts 2, and I'm going to read the first 21 verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire, as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native language. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselyte, Cretans and Arabs, in 
our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said they were filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all that live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And all your sons and all your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall, shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portions in the heaven above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this scripture, Lord. Just thank you for... Uh, for what it means, Lord, I just pray that as, as we go through this lesson, Lord, your, your words flow through me. Lord, and each person here or, or who may be listening online, Lord, they receive the message that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to remember something that you waited for and maybe waited for and maybe waited for even longer. Probably told you this story before, but Rhonda and I were married a long time when we had Abby. I mean, it was, it seemed like a, a well, it was like 14 years. Yeah. Man, that's a long time. Especially when you're young and short-sighted, you know. But I'll never forget, and I can tell you so many stories uh, leading up to to, um, to this time. And I can tell you so many stories that actually, after we went to the uh, uh, hospital, I can tell you stories about that. One thing is, I was in my mid-thirties, so I was not a young first-time father. And I don't know if y'all have noticed, I'm not real organized, but I'm very methodical. I generally have a plan. Sometimes it may not look like it, but I generally have a plan. Again, Rod and I, we'd been married a long time, and, and I had this plan how when the time came, it's going to get Rhonda to the hospital. Had her months before the delivery date, I had the suitcase packed. I had it in the trunk of the car, ready to go. I practiced the route all times of day. I could tell you how long it would take from our driveway to get to St. Francis Hospital in Greenville, South Carolina. 13 minutes, 28 seconds. Except at rush hour. 
So I've got all this plan. I'm like, when it happens, the suitcase is there. Get right in the seat. We're going to go to the hospital. So a few more weeks went by, and the time hadn't come yet, and I'm still working a little bit. Well, kind of. Um, and I, I'm sitting down. I'm actually getting a haircut in the middle of the day. It's about noon. And Rhonda calls me right when I'm sitting down to get my haircut. And she says, it's time. Will you meet me at the hospital? And I said, no. I won't meet you at the hospital. Go home. And she said, well, I'm already, I had a doctor's appointment. I'm already in the parking lot. I said, go home. She said, no, I'll meet you at the hospital. I'm like, this is not the way I had it planned. <laughs> Matter of fact, my plan fell through because that weekend before we had company, I took the suitcase out of the car. So I get to the hospital. Neither one of us have a change of clothes. We didn't do it like I was supposed to. My wife walked to the hospital to deliver my baby. And I showed up and didn't even get my hair cut. And I thought, well, it's time. And then once I got there, I thought, we're going to have a baby. Man, it took a while. <laughs> I can tell you some really funny stories. I don't have time about that wait, uh, but I'm not going to tell you that this morning, but I will at some point. But we waited. We were in labor for like 20 hours, weren't we? <laughs> oh, believe me. won't go into the story, but I actually needed a change of clothes. I didn't have one. I didn't even have any shoes. And something, I needed a change of clothes. Nurse bought me a hospital gown. I had no shoes. Rhonda had worn a pair of clogs. My, my shoes were trash. So I had a hospital gown on it and clogs because my feet got cold because they had hardwood floors. It's in the middle of summer, but my feet were cold, so I put clogs on. Anyway, I won't go into that whole story, but, but we waited even longer. Again, we were in labor. When I say we, I mean her. Uh, was in, in labor for 20-something hours. We waited 14 years, and then... When it came time, I will never forget that first moment when she took her first breath. It's the most peace I've ever had in my life. And I'm old school. I didn't want to be in the delivery room. Rhonda made me. And I'm glad she did. Because I experienced one of the most spiritual things I've ever experienced in my life. I felt the presence of God like I'd never felt it. What I'd been looking forward my whole life to was greater than I ever imagined. I couldn't have imagined that feeling and that blessing of that moment. But praise God for a wife that made me go in there and other circumstances that sometimes when we plan things out and it goes exactly like we plan, we don't learn anything from them. We don't recognize things, but sometimes God's got a plan and when we follow his plan, 
the blessing, I promise you, is greater than anything we can ever plan. And this morning in this scripture, the disciples had been sent to wait. Jesus had ascended to heaven 10 days before. You've got to remember, this is about 50 days after the resurrection. Can you imagine what they're thinking? They know they're waiting on something great. They know it's coming, but all of a sudden, Jesus ascends to heaven and tells them to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Have you ever been excited and had to wait again? Imagine that. Plus, they're probably still scared. They're probably still hiding. We can't imagine the things that were going through their minds as they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised. So now in Acts 2, we're awaiting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 is the first gospel message. It's the beginning of the Lord's church, and it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Again, the day Pentecost in the Old Testament, this celebration was actually called the Festival of Weeks. Exodus 34, 22 says, You shall observe the Festival of Weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the festival of the ingathering and at the turn of the year. You see, Pentecost itself means 50. It's observed 50 days after Passover. For us, it's 50 days after the resurrection. So again, the disciples have been waiting and just wondering for 50 days. Now Jesus had come and appeared to them and gave them instructions in between. But now for the last 10 days, they're waiting. The entire company, about 120 apostles, are waiting. They are waiting. They're waiting together. They're praying. And they're praying. And they're waiting. And all of a sudden, they're all together with other people. And they hear the sound and mighty rushing wind filling the house where they were sitting. I don't think at this point they knew what was happening. But it enabled the apostles to speak in other languages. And the cool thing is right here, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. On this day, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God didn't give them a little bit of Holy Spirit now, and, and a little bit later, he filled them with the Holy Spirit right then. Again, they began to speak in other tongues. And it drew the attention of devout Jews and other people there from other nations. You see, everyone heard them speak in their own language. Can you imagine? The ones who heard were amazed, they were perplexed. They didn't quite understand. And the ones who really didn't understand actually mocked. The ones who couldn't understand those languages mocked them and said they were drunk. But Peter assures them that it's too early for them to be drunk. And then if we back up, to John the Baptist. He proclaimed in Matthew 3.11 the coming of the Holy Spirit. He proclaimed of the coming of Jesus Christ. He said, one's coming that will baptize. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But 
the one is more powerful than I am coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist had his followers waiting on Jesus. Jesus appears. People accept Jesus and now they're waiting and now they receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. Think about it. I know you can think back to the time when the Holy Spirit came in your, in your heart and came to dwell with you. Think about the peace, but also think about all the things that you were being directed to do. All that welling up in you at one time. Matter of fact, 3,000 people were saved that day. See, Jesus told them what was happening in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power. That's what we talked about last week was the power that we were getting ready to receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, now the power has come upon them. The Holy Spirit is upon them. They feel that power. They feel that peace that only comes when that happens. Again, it was prophesied in the Old Testament. And then by John the Baptist, which we just read that scripture. And then later on in the New Testament, it's mentioned by Paul. In Titus 3, 5 through 7, he said, He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy through the water of rebirth, and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, He poured out us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what it means when we receive the Holy Spirit. Even though we're not worthy, we're in fellowship with God. Not because of anything we can do. Not because of any great works that we can accomplish. But because of what Jesus accomplished for us. And again, on our own, we don't have power to do the things that we're supposed to do. But through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and relying on His power, we can do some remarkable things. We can do some remarkable things. Again, this day we recognize the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost. The day we've been waiting for. And again, what I really like, it says up at the top, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given an abundance. An abundance means you have more than you need. It's overflowing. And through his power, now we can go out and do the work that he intends for us to do. Sometimes in life, and I know that you've been, a lot of you have been in church a long time, you look at people and you think, man, they've got more Holy Spirit than I have. Have you ever thought that? Man, they've got more Holy Spirit. I wish I had that much Holy Spirit. In reality, When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That power is there. We've been justified. 
through what Christ has done. And now we're on a journey to be sanctified. As we try to grow closer and closer to the image of our Lord and Savior. Try to do what Jesus would do, which sometimes is hard. We're called to love people that are not real lovable. We're called to do things for people that don't appreciate it. But you know what? That's what God's done for us. He's given us more than we deserve. And He loves us no matter what. We're His unconditionally. No matter what, He loves us. We'll never look into the eyes of anybody that Jesus didn't die for. But when we do think, oh, so-and-so has, man, I wish I had that much spirit. You see, what it is, they're relying on the Holy Spirit. They're using that power of the Holy Spirit. You can see it oozing out of them because of their actions and because of their love. But you see, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we let things get in the way. We let things get in between us and Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we, we feel alone. We can't feel the Holy Spirit. Even though he's still there, we can't feel him because we're letting that stuff get in the way. We let sin get in the way of us doing what we're called to do. Have you ever felt like, hey, I'm alone. I don't feel the presence of God. God hadn't moved. He hasn't moved. And I know I've told you this so many times. When you feel like that, the best way to feel His presence again is go serve somebody. Go do something for somebody that cannot do anything in return for you. If you want to see where Jesus is, if you want to see where God is, that's where He is. And when you're doing that, He's with you doing that service because you can't do it alone. But again, we do get bogged down with things. There's things in life that Sometimes things get in the way that are, are, are pretty, sometimes pretty fun. So it's something that, that, that may be, we're, we're lured to, we're tempted with. I don't want to name temptations, but you can think of your own. And sometimes we let them get in the way. We, 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 we give in to that temptation. But praise the Lord when we do. And we do feel alone. He's always ready to forgive. When we repent, when we fall on our knees and ask God to forgive us. And we turn and walk back towards him. We realize he's not left. He's in the same spot. We've just allowed something to come in between us. Again, there's a cross right here. And when I'm separated from God, I've got to fall on my knees. And I've got to ask him for his forgiveness. And I walk back towards him. Repentance means a change of mind or a change of direction. In other words, we're walking away from God. Now we've got to stop and walk back towards God. And through His Holy Spirit and what you've been blessed with, you can do that. But the amazing thing is the grace and the mercy that He shows us. Because He loves us no matter what. And He's always waiting for us to come back. Again, this Holy Spirit that I'm telling you about, the amazing things, I'm not talking about great, physically amazing things that you can do with it, but I'm talking about loving each other sometimes when you disagree. I'm talking about loving each other 
Sometimes when somebody's wronged you. That's hard. And I'll tell you, sometimes we think we can't do it. If that's what you're thinking, you're right. You can't do it alone. But those amazing spiritual things that we're called to do, we can do when we rely on His power, on His mercy, on His grace. Because if we try to do it on our own, we're going to be disappointed every time. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will never be disappointed. Spiritually. Again, we'll still have some physical disappointments. Sometimes we're human beings. Sometimes we look to things for, for satisfaction that's not good for us. But again, when we do that, he's always waiting to receive us back. Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are Afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. When we drift away, we need to repent. Again, when we don't feel that presence of God, he's not gone anywhere. And thank God for amazing grace, because I've failed him so many times. But through his love and forgiveness, and his mercy... He receives me and loves me just like it never happened. Man, we've been given a gift this morning. A gift that's always with us. A gift that's, again, more than we could ever imagine. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this gift? That's what's important. We're going to keep it to ourselves. We're going to share this good news in all of Jerusalem, Judea, in all parts of the earth. What are we going to do with it? If you're here this morning and you haven't received this gift of the Holy Spirit through a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray this morning you come to that knowing, loving relationship. This altar is open. It's Christ's altar. It's Christ's church. It's not ours. If you feel led to come pray, we're going to receive communion in a moment. And Again, I just thank you and for being the people that you are and for loving me. I'm blessed to be here. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for sending your Son, Lord. For sending your Son to be an atonement for our shortcomings. Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your presence always dwelling in us. Lord, I pray as we go forth, Lord, that we, uh, we share this gift. We tell other people about you. Lord, we rely on your spirit to do some remarkable things, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.